The opinions and views expressed in this program do not reflect those of KUCI, its management, or the UC Board of Regents. To find out more about this talk show or other talk shows broadcasting on KUCI, log on to our website at KUCI.org or check out the latest program guide. You're listening to KUCI 88.9 FM in Irvine and KUCI.org on the web. Welcome to Privacy Piracy. I'm Lloyd. I'm the show's engineer, and your host is Mari Frank. Mari's a local attorney and certified information privacy professional. She's the author of several books, including Safeguard Your Identity, From Victim to Victor, and The Complete Idiot's Guide to Recovering from Identity Theft. She's testified many times in Congress and the California Legislature on privacy and identity theft issues. And you may have seen her on Dateline, 48 Hours, CNN, NBC, ABC, O'Reilly Factor, and many other shows, including her own 90-minute PBS television special, Protecting Yourself in the Information Age. To learn more about this radio show and our great guests, please visit KUCI.org slash privacypiracy. Hey, Mari, what's our show about today? Well, Lloyd, today our show is about a, a something that I'm always worried about and that I have uh, taken a lot of care about in my life and with the many clients I've had who've been victims of identity theft. So when I saw this book, 50 Ways to Protect Your Identity in a Digital Age, I thought, oh, this is someone who's got uh, the same heart I do about helping people to protect themselves and deal with identity theft since I get victims calling me every day. So we are thrilled to have our wonderful guest today who's coming to us from beautiful Boston. And let me tell you a little bit about Stephen Wiseman. Stephen is a lawyer, a college professor at Bentley University in Waltham, Massachusetts, and he's an author. His most recent book is the one I have right in front of me called 50 Ways to Protect Your Identity in a Digital Age. And Steve is the legal editor of Talkers Magazine. This is the primary trade magazine in the business of talk media. And he has written for numerous publications ranging from the Boston Globe to Playboy. He has earned an ABA Certificate of Merit for Excellence in Legal Journalism. And he's been a featured expert on scams and identity theft throughout the media, including Dr. Phil, CNN, and CBS. And he also writes a blog called Scamicide, that's S-C-A-M-I-S-I-D-E dot com. And that provides a lot of information for you on identity theft and different scams. So we're just thrilled to have you join us, Steve. Thank you so much. Oh, it's my pleasure to be with you. It's good to be with a kindred spirit. Exactly. Uh, both of us attorneys and both of us worried about protecting others from identity theft. And it, it is, um, it's not going away. Tell us about how, how big of a problem it is from the way you see it. Well, you know, it really is the, uh, the crime of the new century. And uh, it's a huge problem. It's a multi-billion dollar a year problem. Unfortunately, I have to look at it and say it's not a matter of if you are going to be a victim of identity theft for just almost everyone. It's a matter of when and what you can do to lower your chances. And, you know, as you know, Mari, identity theft can affect your uh, ability to get a job. It 
can uh, result in people getting uh, access to your assets. It can result in you getting uh, charged with a crime that you never committed. It can affect even with medical identity theft the kind of medical care uh, that you get. It is, it's absolutely horrendous, and in this digital age, it is all too easy to accomplish. But there are things that we can do to make it less likely. Yeah, we, we can do some things to minimize risk, but a lot of it is really beyond our control. And I don't know if you know this, but back in 1996, a woman stole my identity and paraded as an attorney and got, wow. lots, yeah, got lots of money in my name, um, bought a car using my name. Yeah, and uh, that was when I first became aware and I actually wrote the legislation in California, which was the first uh, state to have an identity theft law, and I ended up testifying in Congress and helping writing the 18 U.S.C. 1028. So I, I know it, I lived it, and I have had victims for many, many years. So I'm there, you are absolutely right, and I have a guy right now who is a victim of criminal identity theft who lost a job um, when TSA did a background check that uh, brought up all the stuff that his criminal identity theft took from him, and we are right now trying to get him back his job. So it it can affect you, IRS, everything. You know, it's interesting you mentioned with the criminal identity theft because uh, there's an example uh, I use in my book where someone uh, stole the identity of, it was a a guy from coming up from Florida to Connecticut, and uh, he had had a number of uh, operating under the influence of alcohol offenses. So he stole his neighbor's identity in order to get a a driver's license. So he's out, uh, he gets stopped on a minor traffic infraction uh, for a broken taillight or something, and the officer says, is this you, Fred Jones? Yes, that's me. This is you, Fred Jones? Yes, that's me. He says, you're under arrest. You're an unregistered sex offender. And he said, no, no, that's not me. I just stole his identity. So once in a while, someone can get hoisted with their own petard. But you also made a great point, and that is, no matter how much effort we put in in being safe and being careful, we are only as safe as the weakest place that holds our uh, information. And I just saw not long ago a piece uh, released where the IRS has up on its website, uh, they provide information about contributions to certain types of uh, nonprofit corporations, and these are called 527s. And Unfortunately, what the IRS had done was they had put up the form as presented by a number of these corporations, uh, nonprofits, that included the Social Security numbers oh, of the uh, donors. So the you, you have the nonprofits who put this on the form where it shouldn't have been. Right. You have the IRS not checking it and putting it up there. And here is a, an opportunity for identity thieves where they didn't even have to do a data breach. It was presented by the IRS. So it's, uh, these, are, these are difficult problems. And, and you know, people are, are innocent and people are trusting. So when they fill out, when they want to make a donation to a nonprofit and they are asked for their social security number, they're going to give it because they're thinking, well, this is, you know, I'm going to be able to deduct this. So I, I guess they want to be able to have my social security number, but they would never consent to be put online. How crazy no. is that? 
Yeah, and you know, you, you, you made another good point as far as how trusting we are. One of my mottos is, trust me, you can't trust anybody. And there are a lot of times the Social Security number is a key to identity theft, as you know. Right. And what happens is if someone has this, it makes it easier to access your credit report, uh, to establish an, a whole identity. And so this is the, this is the gold standard for uh, identity thieves. But what happens is businesses, I went to my uh, eye doctor just to, to get a new prescription for my eyeglasses. And uh, the doctor asked for uh, my Social Security number. And he has no need for it. There's nothing untoward about him wanting it. But frankly, I don't want to be dependent upon his data security. And frankly, the data security in uh, physicians and small businesses is pretty abysmal. So I respectfully said, you know, I, I prefer not to give you that. I can give you some other kind of identification. And he was fine with that. And more of us have got to think about that. And that is speak up. Although there's, a, there's an interesting thing uh, I mentioned in my book. I thought it was an urban tale. And it was when you get asked by a company, they need your Social Security number, and you don't want to give it, and you don't want to get into a fight. Uh, it used to be online saying, give this number, and it's Richard Nixon's Social Security <laughs> right, right. number. <laughs> and the thing is, as you and know, there's something called the Death Master Index that right. Social Security has out there that you can find, you can access, and make it a little bit more difficult, but you can still get it, the Social Security number of anyone that is deceased. And, in fact, uh, identity thieves will use this to steal the identity of, of dead people to be able to access their credit for a few months. So I went online, checked out, and sure enough, the number that had been floating around on the Internet was indeed Tricky Dicks, uh, Richard Nixon's Social Security number. But we don't advise people to do that. No, no. And as a matter of fact, I think you probably know who Kevin Mitnick is. He was the FBI hacker who served time in jail, and he's a, now an expert, and he's written several books. And I've had him on my show. He's written The Art of Deception, The Art of Intrusion, and he works with the FBI, and he's a security guy. But um, when, I had, when I had him on my show and we were talking about identity theft, he told me when he was running from the feds, he would go to that death index and he would yeah. go and find out when he'd go to, to a little town, he'd find out all the names of the babies that had died and use their social security numbers. And then he said he paid his bills and he, he did that. And I said, well, what happened when you left? If people would be looking for that person, then they might go back to the parent and that would be pretty horrifying for someone to... So it, it uh, yeah, we talked about that, and it is really unfortunate. I know you talked about credit reports in your book as well, 50 Ways to Protect Your Identity in a Digital Age. And one of the things that is really important to do when you have a loved one who has died to make sure that you immediately notify the credit bureaus and take that identification offline uh, so yeah. that they people can't get credit in that person's name because I've had literally dozens and dozens of family members call me that their family member who had died uh, became a victim of identity theft. In fact, there were several during in 9-11 that they were, there was information about them out there, obituaries, and their identities were stolen. So um, important point. Yeah, it's a, it's a big one, and it, it's interesting you mentioned that, Mari, because there are a lot of attorneys who don't have uh, experience 
in identity theft and personal security who may be doing estates, and they don't think of this enough, and the families don't think of this enough. It's a fairly easy thing to do to contact the uh, the credit reporting agencies and indicate that the account should be uh, closed and indicated as deceased. Uh, it's also important to, to notify bank accounts or anyone right. uh, with whom any business with whom the person had an account because these identity thieves, uh, they just, they have, they have no scruples. And as a matter of fact, uh, you know, scammers, uh, they wait for tragedies, uh, such right. as we had in, in the Newtown shootings, and they set up phony charities, uh, mm-hmm. you know, they ste- uh, just to steal people's money. So uh, yeah. no one is uh, not fair game to the identity thief or the scam artist. Exactly. It's so sad. Let's talk about some of the things that, you know, people are starting to learn more about offline stuff, but I think what's really scary is on Facebook. And let's talk a little bit about Facebook, because I know you mentioned this in your book about the dangers on Facebook. And everybody is on Facebook. They love to be on Facebook. And um, let's talk about the danger of identity theft on Facebook. Yeah, you know, wherever you are, that's where the identity thief is going to be. And like you said, everyone's on Facebook. And there are people that will have 5,000 friends. I mean, it's ridiculous. And But what happens is you will get a notice on your on your Facebook page, and there it'll be something about, you've got to see this. Here's a, here's a video about you. Or... Anything to catch your your attention with a link, and you click on that link. Unfortunately, if you click on that link, that link can lead to what's called a, it can unwittingly download a keystroke logging malware program. And what this is, for our listeners, I know you know, is a computer program that will, in essence, steal and read all of the information from your computer. And it can be passwords. It can be your social security number. It can be credit card number. And here's the problem is, one, very often your Facebook page has been infiltrated by this uh, identity thief who has gone on there and uh, sends you that message. Other times, it's from your friend, or it appears to be from your friend, but right. in, they've been hacked, and so you trust this. You trust it because it's from them. So my, you know, I'm, you know, even paranoids have enemies, and if I ever have anything sent to me with a link. I never trust it until I've confirmed, and that means generally a telephone call to this person. Is this really from you? Exactly. Uh, because otherwise, if it's just you've got to see this, you've got to click on this link, be careful. The other thing, the big thing is people too, put too much information on there. They may have birth dates. They may have uh, mother's maiden name. They may have pictures of a family outing. And here's one that's kind of interesting. We have this what they call the grandparent scam that people are familiar with. The, uh, right. the senior gets a, a call in the middle of the night from the grandchild who's in trouble uh, in a foreign country and needs money to be wired right away. And, you know, a lot of us say, oh, how could anyone fall for that? Well, these scammers, oh, they remember, do. Yeah. Yeah. scam so artists good. are the only criminals we call artists, and they're really good. But here's where Facebook comes in. They have been going through people's Facebook pages, and they'll see the picture from that family outing, which will have a picture of me and yeah. Grandpa Bob. Right. So all of a sudden, they know what the grandfather is, is called. And so when they call him up, it's, 
Grandpa Bob. It's right. me, and has the name of the grandchild. It has the name that they refer to the grandparent, and so they start being coming more trusting. So you've got to be really, really careful when it comes to what you put up on Facebook. Also, when you put in too much in personal information, unwittingly you may be giving away your passwords, and that can make a, uh, a problem if someone's going to steal your passwords and be able to then get at your bank account, email, and anything else. You're absolutely right. And also, when you put your birthday, you were talking a minute ago about your birthday. If you put in your exact birthday with the correct year and where you were born, there's an algorithm that they can figure out your social security number. So you're giving away the store, basically, and yeah. it's, um, you know, and somebody could friend you and they start making friends and you think that they're your friend. It's it's like what you were saying, you know, you see somebody with 3,000 friends, you'd get a kick out of this. Um, Steve, I, may, I did a show once with four teenagers from all across the country. I did, you know, like 15 minute question of, you know, somebody on the East Coast, somebody in the South, somebody in the Northwest, et cetera. They were all teenagers. And I asked him about how they use Facebook. And one kid was so cute. He says he was like 14. He goes, oh, you know, I've got 800 friends. And I said, really? I said, how many of those do you know? He goes, oh, I know them all. I go, really? How many of you have you really met face to face? You know, how do you know? And I started to scare him a little bit. But we did it as a show just so parents could listen in and hear how these kids give out information that they think is to their friends and to their peers, and it may not even be their peers. So, oh, yeah, ab- absolutely. As a matter of fact, when we talk about the kids being trusting, uh, a big source of identity theft uh, for kids, and here I'm saying up through uh, their early even 20s, but particularly uh, youngsters up to through teenagers, are free music and free video games online. They don't think about what the dangers are. They go on there, and instead of getting just the free video game or the free music, what they're actually downloading, again, is that keystroke logging malware program that's stealing all the information from the computer they're sharing with their parents who are doing their online banking and purchasing on there. Mm -hmm. The flip side of this is, as you get a little bit older, one of the, uh, the key elements is free pornography, and perhaps one of the uh, the biggest instances of this was a uh, police officer in Florida, uh, apparently a little bored, sitting at his uh, computer, goes on for free, gets an email with free pornography. He goes to that site. The unfortunately, this particular police station didn't have proper uh, anti malware software, mm. and he ended up downloading uh, the keystroke logging malware program. Now mm. the bad guys then use that to get not a bank account or a social security number, but they got the passwords that the police were able to use to these huge data banks where they can get information on hundreds of thousands of people, and that's exactly what happened. 300,000 people became victims of identity theft because the identity thieves used the password that a legitimate law office would have 
to be able to access a large data bank. So mm. uh, there are no free lunches, and beware of the free music, free video, and free porn. Yeah, exactly. And you talk in here uh, in your book, and I'm just going to say it again so people know what it is, 50 Ways to Protect Your Identity in a Digital Age by Steve Wiseman. Steve, so you talk when we're looking at this where you have this section on, on Facebook. Um, and talk about the Facebook quizzes. Yeah, you know, what happens is you'll have these, these quizzes on Facebook, uh, and what you're doing is you're providing information. And the more information that you're providing, uh, the worse off. Uh, you are. Yeah. And uh, this becomes a, a really dangerous thing. The other thing is, you know, they may not be legitimate. You may be providing information, but you also uh, may be giving them not just the information on you, but information that can make other people uh, victims of identity theft. Right. And, you know, I think when people are online, and here we are sitting on the campus of the University of California, Irvine. So we've got young people here. Obviously, there's people driving by that are, you know, from businesses, legitimate businesses. But we're sitting here on the campus, and, of course, everybody is on Facebook. And I just really wonder how many of them really do that those privacy settings or pay any attention. And even if they do, you know, the privacy settings and all of the rules for Facebook keep changing. So what yeah. is your suggestion with the privacy settings? You know, this is, this is so important because I think uh, a lot of people don't take the time uh, to really make the, their settings uh, such that uh, they're going to protect themselves. And they really have got to first consider it. And then go to uh, the go to Facebook. Make sure that their settings are set in a way that they limit the amount of uh, information that is available, because this is uh, something uh, that is is such a major problem. You know, Facebook uh, Facebook's terrific, uh, but the problem is people they just they turn it into an open book. Yes. And uh, an open book with anyone having unauthorized access is not a good thing. And, and you know, with Facebook, you have to think about uh, th- those of you who are on the campus and looking for jobs or looking for graduate school. You know, anything you put up there, it's not going to go away. Or anything that you let somebody take a picture and put up about you, it's not going to go away. So it's kind of scary to think about that if you don't use those privacy settings, number one, anybody can look at anything you have. And even if you do um, put the privacy settings, uh, somebody could get in there. So it's a good idea not to even put up stuff in there that could hurt you later, right? Oh, absolutely. You know, as you mentioned, uh, I'm a college professor at Bentley University in in Massachusetts, and uh, one of the things I tell my students is just what you said, and that is uh, that employers are looking at Facebook now. There are a number of cases in regard to whether this is appropriate or not, but employers are doing it. They look at the Facebook page, and frankly, even if they, even if it's not just looking at the Facebook page, anything that you ever put online is right. there forever. And so you, you know, people have got to remember that uh, youthful indiscretions, if they turn up online, can make problems for you forever. Yeah, and there is a good law. California is pretty privacy con, you know, conscious over here. And one of the laws that we did pass last year is that an employer cannot ask you for your password to get into any of your social networking sites or anything like that, any private site that you have. So that's good. But a lot of people don't even bother to do that. I mean, I, I've seen things when I look for people um, and, it's, and it's an open site, you know, 
I mean, mine's open, but I'm real careful about what I put up there. So, I mean, I want to put up things like my radio show and who's going to come on. But I use it knowing with full knowledge that everything that I put up there, it can be seen by the world. And so that's the question you have to ask yourself. Would I put this up there if I knew that anybody in the world, any future employer, anybody could see it, right? Yeah. And again, there are the things where remember the information that you put up there because it may ultimately uh, relate to a password. And so uh, a lot of people will use the name of their pets as passwords. And identity thieves are aware of this. They'll check out and mine the Facebook uh, page uh, for that. It's interesting because one of the things I suggest to people, and I go back to where uh, Sarah Palin certainly uh, is a well-known person and a celebrity. When her email got hacked, uh, it was because someone was able to uh, guess the answer to her uh, uh, her security question and change the password. It was not terribly difficult. It was, where did I meet my husband? And it didn't take much of a search to find out that she um, uh, met him at Wasilla High School. So here's what I tell people to do is have a security question, and uh, it can be, uh, you know, where did I go to high school? What's my uh, favorite candy? Whatever. But have an absolutely nonsensical answer. So if you put, uh, you know, what's my, uh, you know, what's my favorite sports team? Uh, you could put blue as yeah. an answer. Mm-hmm. And Mouse. it's so stupid <laughs> yeah. that some, that you will remember it, right. but no one is going to be able to gauge that from the information that you have on Facebook or elsewhere. Right, right. How about with Google? What about protecting yourself with Google? You know, Google Google is everywhere. Yes. And one of the things people have to remember uh, is that, you know, Google is keeping track of the uh, the places that you go. So uh, here, I, I think it's just a matter of you cannot necessarily trust Google. And it's not saying that Google is, is bad. I think Google does a terrific job. But just because Google takes you to a, uh, a website doesn't mean it's legitimate. The same thing is this is the vacation season, and a lot of people will uh, rent uh, rent houses and from from owners, and they may go on Craigslist or they may go on websites, uh, you know, for rent by owner. What they may find is a listing that's been copied by an identity thief and a scammer right. who has just taken it, put their name in there, and you end up giving money to someone who doesn't own this property. An easy way to check that, and this is something that I, I used myself, and I would have been scammed if I didn't, because I saw one of these and it looked legit. Legitimate and it was on a legitimate website, and I had gotten it through Google, but I knew it was legitimate, uh, is you go to online, the tax assessor's office for the city or town where the property is located. Look up who the owner is, and if that doesn't match who and where you're sending uh, your money, then you know you've got a problem. Yes, it's funny. I just got an email today from an attorney whose clients had their their rental home that had wasn't being rented at the time. They didn't have a rental, a uh, tenant, and the house was sold out from under them. <laughs> just today. So, oh, it's I mean, it, it, Yeah, this is one of the things, you know, what I tell people to do, always make sure that you have some kind of lien against your house. So there is so much... Um, theft of identity in, in stealing homes that, yeah. that and especially like in the LA area. So I tell people always make sure you have some kind of lien. So if you pay off your your mortgage, 
get a $50,000 credit line against it. it. You don't have to ever use it, and it's nice to have an emergency, but just have it as a lien against your property because then they can't easily steal it out from under you. But if there is no lien on it, it's very simple to just sell it. That's, so, a, that's great advice, Maureen. I hadn't heard that one before. Yeah, I'm, I'm gr- Great. I just learned something. <laughs> that's what we're here to kind of share ideas. So, you know, another thing that um, I always do with Google is I always make sure that I have Google searches set out. You just go to the search and you I have searches set out with my name everywhere. I spell my name so that if something comes up with my name anywhere in the Internet, it comes to me. So this is a funny story. My daughter uh, writes some she she's a great journalist herself and she has um, she had a, a column. She has a column that comes out, I don't know how often, but in Huffington Post. And so um, I saw it. I had her name because, of course, I want to see what's, what she's doing. And uh, sure enough, I saw it before she did. So it's a good idea to put your name as an alert, a Google alert. And then anything that comes up that isn't you, you'll find out about it sooner. So Google can help us as well as hurt us, right? Absolutely. And, you know, I do, I do the same thing. And I, I think it's very, very important to be aware. And uh, it's a free service. It's simple. It's easy. It's automatic. And uh, I'm a big fan of the Google Alerts. Yeah. Now, let's talk a little bit. We don't have a lot of time. We have about two minutes. But I just wondered if you could give us a, some of the tips for when we use smartphones, because everybody's got their iPhone or I've got a Windows 8 phone or whatever. What are just some of the tips that you think that we should remember when we're using our phones? You know, the biggest thing to remember is it, the, we're doing so much on our smartphones now that we need the same kind of protections that you do with your computers. So a lot of people don't even have a password protecting their smartphone. So you want to get a, a good, complex uh, password on your, uh, on your smartphone, um, maybe even something uh, with a few exclamation points at the end, which will be something that will be complex but easy to remember. You need security software. You need anti-malware. You need to remember to be conscious that don't store information on that uh, on that smartphone that you wouldn't want grabbed. Uh, even though it may be convenient to have your credit card there so that if you order something, uh, it can be uh, immediately uh, available, don't have it there. Input it every time. Also, be very, very wary of uh, Wi-Fi because you don't know necessarily where you are, whether you've got someone with fake Wi-Fi or the real deal, and uh, also have encryption data, have encryption uh, software on there. If you've got encryption software on there, security software on there, uh, anti-malware and a good password, you're going a long way to protect yourself. Well, Stephen, you're wonderful. We thank you so much, Stephen Wiseman, and the name of his book is 50 Ways to Protect Your Identity in a Digital Age. And please keep in touch. We'll talk again soon. Stay. Thanks so much. Mario loved it. Alrighty, bye-bye. You've been listening to KUCI 88.9 FM in Irvine and KUCI.org on the net. I'm Mari Frank. Join us every Monday morning at 8 a.m. right here on KUCI and visit our website at KUCI.org slash privacy piracy. And let us know what's of interest to you about privacy in the information age. Thanks. Stay private. The opinions and views expressed in this program do not reflect those of KUCI, its management, or the UC Board of Regents.